Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Transform TV podcast series. Today, we're speaking with three guests. We've got Lisbeth Gilts, who is VP EMEA Supply Chain at Starbucks Coffee, Steph Crow, who's Head of Global Learning at Worldline, and Marion Temin, who's co-founder of Craker Kids. Now, we're, we're going to be talking about something that affects everyone, and that is leadership, leadership challenges. So, But before we get started, um, why don't you guys introduce yourselves a little bit and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, Lisbeth, why don't we start with you? Thank you. Hi, I'm Lisbeth. I am a uh, well, responsible for the supply chain team at Starbucks Coffee. I have worked at Starbucks for about 18 years, uh, always in supply chain jobs. Uh, actually, a lot of uh, my years were spent in coffee manufacturing, the heart of our business, um, but recently more focused on uh, broader supply chain roles. Brilliant. Steph? Hello, everyone. Steph Crow, uh, calling in from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, really, my focus as head of global learning is to help teams and leaders get the most out of their talent, multiply their talent impact, and delighted to be here with the uh, Future Insights TV. Thank you. Marion, last but not least. Thanks, uh, Maria. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Marian Temin, based in Amsterdam. Uh, been in supply chain roles for the last 15 years. Uh, always heavily driving and focusing on transformation and change um, and having a real passion for leadership and compassionate leadership in specific. All right, well, let's get straight into it, okay? Before we hit record, we were talking about transformation and it seems like everyone's talking about digital transformation, transformation in supply chain, yet so many transformation projects fail. And it seems as though at the heart of it or as a common denominator, there's cultural issues, leadership issues, people issues, so if we know that, then why do so many transformation projects fail? Anyone? Well, I think it's clear there's a people component to it. And I know that um, to some degree, I stand where I sit in terms of the organization or the part of the organization that believes that people are such a critical factor. Uh, you know, you can have a great solution, a great idea and a great technology, but unless the people actually use it effectively, uh, you're not gonna get the results that you're going for. What do you guys think? I, yeah, I fully agree. Um, I think there is this, this people, this human element uh, to transformation and to change. Um, and unless there is this element of trust and, uh, and safe space for individuals and teams to evolve in and you know, take the necessity uh, steps and feel comfortable about them, uh, you, you, you're not getting anywhere. Yeah, Marion. Marion, to build on that, and I, I, I know you've said this actually yourself, uh, it, it's also about listening and making sure that everybody feels heard and that they have a place within the transformation journey uh, that is important so people get bought into the end result and are willing to, to move uh, the wagon up the mountain. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, transformation projects are change, aren't they? So, um, you know, there, there's a great deal of moving parts and if people are not fully bought in, or listen to or feel appreciated, then they could become the obstacle to, to this change, couldn't they? Exactly. So you guys- uh, capable you know, we or not willing, yeah. Well, exactly. And then they, they, yeah. they really, you know, the programs fail or, or stall or what have you. What's compassionate leadership? I mean, I know we know what compassion is, but talk to us in the four, you know, what does it mean for supply chain? What is compassionate leadership? Well, if I may uh, go first <laughs> quickly. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a heavily used term these days, I find. And, and for me, if I think about compassionate leadership, it's really, you know, taking the human element of leading individuals and teams. 
Um, and having said that, it's for me all about, you know, building strong relationships, building trust and having that individual connection with, uh, with people because eventually and specifically in, in supply chain, supply networks, I find, you know, which is more and more becoming the core of an organization, uh, interconnected uh, and, and really sitting within uh, an organization um, and, 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 you know, having stakeholder management as, as a key role. Um, it's all about collaborating and interacting with one another. And I think mm -hmm. to do that best, you, yeah, you got to inspire, you got to influence, you got to unite in a way. And to my experience, at least you only achieve that if you have this, you know, trustworthy element amongst each other. Um, and that's something that, yeah, that only happens if you have this softer element uh, to relationship building. Um, and I think it's a, it's a balancing act of, of course, having the, 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 the hard facts at hand and the experience and the knowledge, but also, you know, be passionate, be emotional, uh, empathetic, vulnerable, you know, and, um, and relatable in a way, uh, approachable to, um, you know, to be, to be human um, in, in everything we do. There's a favorite quote I have from uh, David Patrick, which is uh, people hate change, but they love progress. And I really think when you talk about that relationship that you're relying on, um, people don't like being asked to change, to change what they're doing, how they're doing it. They don't always understand the role they're going to play or what you're, what you're actually asking them to give up. And I think honestly, leaders forget they're asking people to give up something, maybe turf, maybe power, maybe being the expert in something, um, maybe just comfort of, of knowing what to expect each day. And that's a bit of a, um, like a drawdown on your account, right? And so you have to have a, a full bucket, so to speak, um, ready to draw down on, and that's establishing a relationship. And you know, granted, if you don't have relationship and you have to ask for something, you have to quickly build it. But this idea of compassionate leadership is having compassion for the fact that you really are asking people to give something up that is meaningful to them, even if it might not be meaningful to you. So to me, that sort of drawing down on that relationship is something that if you have a basis, you're more able to ask them to do this hard thing, which is change. Um, and then also, by the way, reinforce some stability in what's not changing. Elizabeth, have you seen this play out at Starbucks? Uh, yes. Um, we, we've actually just gone through a transformation as I got into my job. Um, about a year and a half ago, and I had to create a full new supply chain team when we moved our office to the London office. Um, and I think exactly to the point that you mentioned around uh, having the relationship and the trust, if we want, and sorry, we call, our part, we call people that work for us partners at Starbucks. So I'm gonna constantly refer to our employees as partners, but if we expect our partners to bring the best to work, we really need to understand who they are, what they bring and what they want to achieve in life in order for them to be their full selves. And if they bring their full selves, we get more out of it. Uh, I'm sure later on in this conversation, we'll start talking about uh, COVID and the working from home. But to, to allow our partners to, um, to feel well and uh, to be their total self, uh, it's an important part to start with the taking care. And then the results will flow. In fact, more results will flow. So the, the combination um, of 
soft maybe at times and leadership might be called hard uh, really creates the perfect blend well can this is this something that can be taught this kind of leadership skill i believe that people can do anything <laughs> i i believe in a growth mindset another thing yeah. that um is also very starbuckian um it doesn't mean that everybody necessarily brings it um to the workplace every single day uh so even though the you have ability, to work at it you have yeah, to work at it you might have to work at it and i think one of the pieces i've learned as a leader is it's it's sometimes harder to talk about interpersonal skills or um the softer side uh, than it is to say hey you're technically not very good at excel it's really easy mm -hmm. let's put you on a course you've completed it now you can say sell a and b is c um, the softer skills is a little harder, but if you come with real examples, I've actually seen more partners be capable of making the change than partners that haven't been able or have decided personally that that is not up, that they don't enjoy that and have taken a another step, which is also perfectly okay. And I could, uh, I, I could also perhaps add on that uh, what Lisbeth just said that um, I also truly believe that. You know, being uh, you know being a compassionate leader is something that is transferable. Um, you know, leading by example you know comes to mind, but purely taking the time and the effort uh, on an individual base to you know to to pass you know this 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 kind of yeah knowledge uh, soft skill along, I think is something that's uh, extremely powerful, not only in you know in in passing something on, but also in in, in again building relationships. Um, and to quickly uh, add to what uh, what Steph was saying earlier uh, regarding change, I mean, change is a constant nowadays, and I truly believe Sorry. that um, what we as leaders need to do is put a positive spin around change rather than, you know, having it an obstacle or, or be something that people are afraid of or not, you know, not wanting to embrace. I think it's, it's, it's truly relevant that basically you, you make it, yeah, make it something exciting, make it something that people, you know, rally around and feel engaged and positive about in terms of, oh, great, we, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna embark on this new endeavor and, uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna go see new places. Um, and I think guiding that, that change and, and helping transform um, an organization and then the people along with it, I think is, uh, is, is one of the core, you know, tasks of, uh, of leadership. Spoken as a true change lover. I'm just teasing. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, seriously, we have to translate that. That's part of the role of the leader is to translate that for our teams if they if it's not clear for them. Um, you know, Maria, I wouldn't do what I do if I didn't believe people could learn this stuff, um, particularly leaders, but also middle managers. And, uh, and I also believe in leadership at all levels. So the thing that I think is important to recognize, and this is something that Lisbeth kind of implied is that you know there's hard skills and then there's also behaviors and habits uh, and I think it really depends on how a leader is approaching it in supply chain we have a lot of uh, thinking and logical types right a lot of engineer type brains we want to break down a problem and solve that problem yes. right but people aren't always a problem to solve 
Mm. <laughs> so, so if if they're not a problem to solve, what is it? It's it's more about habits and behaviors, um, supportive behaviors, connecting behaviors, uh, relational behaviors, like Marion was saying. So to me, uh, this is a bit of a play on words, but I think it less can be taught and more can be learned, which means there are some skills and habits that you can tell people about performing, but then they actually have to do it in real life, right? Mm -hmm. You actually have to try it and you have to fail forward a little and you also need coaching. So, so to me, whether that's somebody who really gets people, right? You might come forward as somebody who is uh, more emotional, more, more a relational person, more people connector. And so you would have a harder time with the drawing the connection to the strategic goal or outcome the business is going for, right? And so that's a habit and a skill and a practice, a behavior you need to practice. On the other hand, if you're a little more logical, you know, you don't understand why, if it's clearly the right answer, why aren't people doing it, uh, then you have to practice the behaviors of connecting and supporting and asking and listening. I love that you said, Lisbeth, it's about listening because, and making people feel heard, right? So Marion, we spoke about this as well. Yeah. That if, if people can be heard, then the leader starts to learn that compassion, uh, which I believe the basis of compassion is empathy. So once you empathize with where that person is coming from, and Lisbeth, you said about really Starbucks wants to know what they want to achieve, who they are, what's the, you know, what they're about as a person. If you can logically connect somebody's individual purpose and, and motivations with the purpose of the corporate goals or the department goals or the team goals, that creates a, a head connection. Right. And then also what motivates them and what makes them feel um, valued and worthy. Uh, that's where learning and um, coaching can create that inspiration and that heart message of why do I care? Why, you know, yes, it's another system. Yes, it's another technology. I'm going to give something up. What's in it for me? So I think that sort of head and heart, or as I think a lot of my colleagues in Europe say, oh, oh, yeah, right, Steph, you mean hearts and minds, right? Connecting with the hearts and minds um, is it's real. Yeah. You know what I was thinking of when, when, when you all were talking about a compassionate leader, I was thinking, I bet you a lot of leaders listening to this will be nodding their heads going, yes, of course. I completely agree. Of course. Yes. Why every leader must be compassionate. Uh, Exactly. They're probably going check. Yes. Check. But how much, yeah, except, but how much of them actually do it? Do you know what I mean? How, how many of them actually sit back and if, have enough introspection to think, am I truly a compassionate leader? Do I really believe in it? Really, truly believe in being a compassionate leader? Or right, am I just paying put, lip service? You yes. know? Then I'm going to put Maria, Lisbeth, and Marianne on the spot because I can't do it with our audience. And I'll say, reflect on your calendar for the last week and look at the amount of time you've spent connecting with people mm-hmm. and asking them yeah. and listening. And how much time tactically are we actually spending doing that? So what do you guys think? How are you doing? How's your um, scorecard? Um, Not very good. I would, I would <laughs> say I, I would, if I really think about it in terms of time and like many leaders, I mean, I'm going to be brutally honest here. It's COVID, you know, it's, it's end of the year. It's uh, I've got a list of things that I got to tick off my, you know, boxes of that. I've got, I've got to do this, 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 this. And before you realize it's end of the day and you think, I've just been barking orders all day. I've just been giving instructions all day. You know, how much do I understand whether or not 
people understand my goals, the goals of the business, the goals, why am I trying to achieve this? Why are we trying to achieve this? Uh, what about their day? How are they feeling? You know, mm. so you're absolutely right. I think leaders need to take the time to stop and learn that behavior. And, uh, but, you know, I don't think they do really. I mean, I, I'm just saying my scorecard, I think I need to do better. Thank you. I would even, uh, I would even, <laughs> I would even throw out there that uh, potentially you have to have this intrinsic, you know, interest uh, in people um, yeah. and interest in individuals, uh, you know, how they're doing um you know how they are how they are getting along um and i think if you have that then at least it makes it a whole lot easier you know that your that your first or second thought and not maybe your your fifth or, or sixth thought is about people um that, that that might be at least something that i've experienced i, I would add, you know i would add a genuine the word genuine there yes. a yeah. genuine interest what do you think of that mm -hmm. true yeah true Yeah, thanks Steph for the question because we discussed beforehand a little, and I came, I came up and said, uh, I'm a little like Maria. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, I wasn't too happy about my scorecard. Uh, there's loads of connections, but there's also something about the quality of the connection uh, and the the true being in the moment and being ready to listen to somebody else. Uh, so I'm, I'm happy with how often I connect, but I'm not always happy with how I'm showing up. And whether my mind is still too busy with three meetings before where I was giving a large task and I'm trying to solve it while talking to you, uh, which made me realize today before this session, I actually grabbed 30 minutes and did nothing and just kind of yes. rounded myself because I, I wanted to show up. But I know that is an improvement area for me. Yeah, we get so busy and so focused on those outcomes and we forget that part of that outcome is the people component, right? And yeah. so my really trigger question would be, why is that not a to-do item? You know, why is connecting with the team or connecting with certain individuals not also on the task list and not also specified time in your calendar? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'm going to interrupt you and tell you why. I think, <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what I think. I think it's because leadership, and I know this because I speak with so many supply chain leaders and manufacturing leaders, it's as though leadership is one of those, it's an important thing I must focus on but it's almost secondary to the job itself. It's almost like a fluffy thing. It's almost yeah. like a, it's fluffy and nice to talk about leadership self. Let me go read the self-help book and let me listen to people and be present and all these buzzwords. But I don't know how many people really see this as survival. And that's the key word. Don't you think? So I I've had the opportunity to work with some really um, amazing people um, in my learning career. And um, one of them is a professor at Coisweta Business School. Um, and I'll, I'll quote him, I'll give him his name in a moment. But um, essentially, he said, you know, this is really the difference. It means you're still being a manager, not a leader, right? Mm -hmm. Is that if, if we are so tactically focused and we're not looking ahead and realizing that there are relationship components to where we're going, then in fact, what we're doing is we're managing, we're not leading. Um, and it's this point that we do, you know, we're, we're coached all throughout our careers in supply chain, in any um, tactical execution role to do really well and to perform, be great performers. And so that is how we're wired, is to be great performers. That's how we got where we are. 
Uh, but at some point in that career, it's no longer about performance. It's about creating the environment in which others can perform. Um, and, and so then how are we creating that environment? Is it a safe environment we're creating? Is it a relationship environment? Is it one where people can give feedback, be innovative, bring up ideas, be creative? Um, are we open to that? Or are we so busy executing that we're blind to these inputs and these relationship factors I think that's the situation we get ourselves into personally. What do you all, Elizabeth, Marion, what do you think of that? Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And, and I think, uh, you know, leadership is about yeah, unifying different functions uh, and, and, and teams and views around a shared common goal. Um, and, and that's something that you, yeah, that you only do with having the relationship and the, the connection with people on a, on a genuine, to quote you, on a genuine level. Um, mm. and, and I think that requires time and effort in interacting with people. Um, and that's not uh, happening by, you know, driving your KPIs and, uh, and, and uh, you know, focusing on the facts and figures. Um, it's a very soft element. And we spoke about it last week, Steph, um, you know, often perceived as a weakness potentially or something that makes you you know seen as you know, softy yeah. um and uh, it, it's it's the complete opposite what what about the growth mindset thing at least but you you brought it up and i and i i found that that's a, a very valid point here that you need to work at it I, I remember when i first heard about the growth mindset for uh you know people that are watching here maybe they haven't heard it but it's I, and i recommend you look into the idea of a growth mindset i i thought i had a growth mindset i thought that I really did. When I looked at the definition, I thought, well, of course, if that makes sense, of course, I know that if I have to work at things and then I get results, who doesn't know that? Of course. I think we accept things on an academic level, on an intellectual level. We accept definitions on an intellectual level. Yes, leadership is about getting results through other people. We can all repeat all of these fantastic sayings. Uh, but how many of us work at it, live at it, fail at it, and, and learn from those failures? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I think I, I do do my best to live it. Um, and I, I definitely, as I shared before, with a couple of uh, team members over my career, have been able to see great uh, results as a result of what Steph also described, the, the coaching, the allowing partners to fail and then get up, uh, dust off and get better rather than uh, have the rest of the organization play the old tapes, as we used to call it, because then you get to the calibration session and everybody's, oh, I saw them fail again. You, you, don't, you don't go from zero to 100 uh, in a second. It, it takes a little time, uh, allow that. Uh, but it's work and sometimes you fail as well. I mean, sometimes you, you think um, development is possible and, and the other person isn't necessarily interested in achieving it and it, and it doesn't work. I think you can never bet too much in somebody in a partner's growth. Um, every partner deserves the, um, the opportunity to show that they can. Uh, mm. Disappointments mm. are fine. Um, the other version of never trying is, uh, is a place that I don't want to live in. I, 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 everybody in this world deserves better than that. But do you think, do you think that, I think as leaders in general, that's that's uh, that's what I'm, I guess we accept the that leadership and training and development and empathy and coaching are fantastic things on an academic intellectual level. 
but on a practical level, you know, we don't really work at it as hard as we should. I think it gets delegated. Sometimes it's, oh, HR is supposed to do that, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think also we get so very focused on the um, objectives that we forget to build capacity, right? So, so to me, when you think about how are you growing your team, uh, that, that people are focused on where are we right now and where we're trying to get to in the next, where the next objective is gonna be checked, right? Mm -hmm. You have a slightly longer trajectory, then you realize in fact that what you're, as a leader, what you're trying to do for the company is build capacity so that you can do the next, next thing, mm -hmm. right. just so that you can do what's right now. Um, and it can't be for 100% of everyone, 100% of the time, right? If we're all focused on five years ahead, then nobody's gonna catch the bump in the road that's right in front of us. Um, but I do think that it's, it's about capacity building. Um, and I would add a layer to this, if I may, which is, I think, um, I know for myself, I'm a big believer in results-based leadership that says, here's, you know, set a vision, here's where we're going, here's the capacity we're trying to build, here's the thing, the value we're trying to add to the customer, uh, this is what we're trying to achieve. This is our purpose, our, our raison d'etre, our mission, uh, and then allowing for flexibility for that growth to happen within the space between where we are and where we're going is where the growth happens. Um, and, and really sort of calling upon those team members to say, okay, what, what role do you want to play? And how can I help stretch you um, to help you grow in that way? Um, so, so to me, I think that creates a space for that growth. I also think that as leaders, we could all add a little more of the classic um, learning and development skill, which is how to prescribe a learning experience that will fill that gap. If somebody says, I'd like to do that, whether you need help from a colleague to figure out, well, how do I get them there? Or whether we can coach that ourselves, that prescribing a, a, a learning path or a development path for someone, I think it's a skill that we maybe don't often learn. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about COVID. We talked, you know, we've, uh, we've sort of brushed on it uh, and, but it is our new reality. How can leaders be effective at leadership, at empathy, at compassion through crisis? Because aren't there competing, you know, interests, aren't there competing interests to, in terms of Delivering now, you talked about the supply chain person, we're wired for solving immediate problems, uh, crisis management. So how, what are pr any practical advice, any practical tips you have for leaders to become effective, compassionate leaders through crisis? For one, I would say create the opportunity to connect outside of just on technical specific goals and purposes create that, uh, what we would say, we often meet each other at the coffee machine, create that time where you can meet you each would. other at the coffee machine. <laughs> you um, would though. I mean. Yeah, you would at Starbucks. And now we need to bring Cheers our to coffee that. in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marianne. The, um, create moments uh, of connection, uh, virtually. And I think one of the things I've learned while doing that, um, it's also be mindful that everyone is different. So the extroverts, me, I love to meet people. I'm like, yeah, let's do another call. Let's just have coffee and sit and talk. And the extroverts are what, what? And the camera Not needs again. to be on? It's, it's really uncomfortable. So how do we create uh, those moments, but be mindful of other team members? 
who have different needs and and be be careful not to be judgmental um about hey i i don't see you participate as much uh and talk about things like well-being um i happen to be a mental health first aider uh at starbucks I, we talk about mental well-being quite a bit and being open about uh, in some of these connections and share that you might have had a rough day because, I don't know, I've got a, my mom uh, living on her own in the Netherlands and I can't visit her and she finds it hard. How do you create moments where you can show uh, that life isn't always great and that you have a personal life outside of this, which you probably would share in a corridor somewhere walking from meeting to meeting? That is a little harder now your 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 day seems to be virtual meetings one to one and you never walk a corridor anymore mm. you just expect it within 10 seconds to show up at the next video conference but you so know what i think I, I think COVID has created some opportunities of course not to downplay the horrendous situation we're in but um i think we've become more human to each other what i mean by that is that there's certain rules and mores and, and societal sort of, uh, I don't know, limitations that you place on each other that sort of have crumbled, walls that have been crumbled, yes. that now, you know, I do meetings sometimes in my in a sweatshirt and I'm just like, I'm in a sweatshirt, I'm at home, it's cold. You know, I never would have gone to a meeting in a sweatshirt. My dog will just walk up sometimes. Oh yeah, there's my dog. I've, I've had meetings where people's kids sit on their lap. So I think I think perhaps maybe this actually could be an opportunity to really break down those barriers and, and ask someone about their dog or about their kid or about, you know, that's a lovely color you've got behind you. You know, what does that mean? You know, that's a nice picture or, you know, do you think that that's an opportunity as well? Or are we overlooking it because we're so busy with COVID? No, I think, I think it's a benefit. Think, Go ahead, yeah. Marianne. No, I, I think we have these little tiny windows into someone's private life that normally you, you know, under normal circumstances, you would not have had. Um, so make use of that. And I think in every video call, you know, you have these, uh, you know, famous uh, couple of minutes before the call, before everyone jumps on, um, you know, and you can either choose to have silence and um, awkwardness in a way, <laughs> or maybe, you know, um, pick, a, pick, a, pick a word and, uh, and start uh, chatting along, like what you said, you know. Um, I think I that's, the, that's the minutes. easiest measure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I've been on I've been on calls with uh, C level executives of big companies, and they're helping their kid do their homework, uh, and it's it sort of puts people on a human level, no matter yeah. who you're talking to, that I perhaps we didn't have before. And going back to all the points that you've talked about in terms of compassionate leadership, doesn't this offer us an opportunity to talk to each other human to human, uh, and help m uh, move transformation and change through a business? Absolutely. I think it, it's a, a great starting point for collaboration as well, right? The, the more you know somebody, my, my, one of my bosses used to say, bake bread together, uh, go out for dinner, just spend some time talking about things that you find the thing that you have in common. Um, because you, we tend to have more in common with each other uh, than, than not. But sometimes it's hard to find that thing when you're at work. And I think that's what at home um, does, yeah. because you get a little feel for uh, I like your background. Mm. Hey, I might yeah. do some of my tastes together, and it, yeah. it just creates that uh, that part of the relationship that's really important to create. Uh, well, to start collaboration. Imagine that you are watching a, a play or or theater, or maybe even a movie, 
And at some moment, because you're just watching, you're an audience member, and there's a fourth wall. That's what it's called in theater. That fourth wall, you never bust the fourth wall. But all of a sudden, somebody turns and they see you there. They, they crash through that fourth wall and all of a sudden they're in your space. So two things happen. One is it busts a boundary you thought was there, right? So we are used to these boundaries that we've created in our work environments. And some of those boundaries have been busted and quite frankly, that's fine. Some of them are healthy boundaries. And I think that both is happening, that people are uncomfortable with this because they're not quite sure where their boundaries should be now. Um, and as leaders, mental health awareness and curiosity with empathy are skills that can be learned, right? When something starts making people uncomfortable, do we transparently say, I don't wanna go there or um, that's really interesting and defer to someone else, right? So, so what we have is a situation where all of our boundaries, our personal boundaries are being somewhat busted. Different people are comfortable with the level of personal boundaries that are shifting around the work environment. And I think being empathetic about that, but also realizing it's an opportunity. So the word I would use Elizabeth is curiosity. So, so allow some curiosity to come about other people and learning about their yeah. environment. What, that is how you actually teach. Curiosity is how you teach empathy. What yeah. advice would you, would you all give to supply chain leaders right now that are trying to hold it all together, you know, in the months leading up until Christmas, uh, uh, you know, with a lot of uncertainty, a lot of, a lot of uncertainty, nobody knows what, what we're going to look like in the next couple months, the couple, next couple weeks, you know, shifting sands, shifting consumer behavior, shifting, uh, you know, issues around the world. So, um, what advice would you give? For me, I think it's uh, pretty straightforward in terms of showing appreciation and an understanding for the fears, you know, anxiety, um, problems that people might have or might face um, and being there for them and again it takes time it takes effort to get that out of someone and uh, and to listen I mean it, it always takes time to listen uh, and to make the floor or the, the, the create the platform for it um, but it's worth it Elizabeth yeah and on top of that I would say communicate 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 um, there's so much change happening um, it is hard to come up with, oh, we're just going to do this. Now sit back for the next six weeks. I won't talk to you. Uh, a lot of frequent short interactions, being really transparent about the uncertainty. Um, mm -hmm. don't, don't try to, to play it away and say, oh, this is what we're going to do. We'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Be clear on, I have a to it being fine. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, also be clear that things are going to get rocky. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, appreciate, 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 because it does take a lot of effort of a lot of our team members. Um, and, and a little word of thank you, or I recognize how much you do, or send a little present uh, through Amazon um, are really simple ways to, to show that you care and make sure that um, the team takes time off. Steph, what do you think? Yeah, I, you know, Elizabeth, when you went to the recognition, I thought, oh, I should have thought of that, right? Uh, but honestly, I agree with the transparency comment. Uh, and while things are changing, just being open about what you do and don't know. You don't have to be right about everything. You can share what you do know. If there's something you're not sure, commit to share it when you do know um, and reinforce stability. 
Uh, I think it's really important to reinforce with people, here's what's not changing. We're still a team. We're still a great company. We're still focused on the customer. All those things that are not changing, remind them because we really do feel like we're standing on shifting sands. I actually did this exercise with my family when we first started teleschool. I said, hey guys, I know a lot's changing, but here's what's not changing. And rather than tell them, I actually had them even though they're quite young, um, fill out a little grid saying, here's what's not changing, here's what's changing. And I think that's good to participate and have, ask your partners who are your team members to also you know, participate in that because they may have innovative ideas on how to work through yeah. what we're going through right now. Well, absolutely. I mean, what's not changing is we want to, you know, be better for our partners, our employees, our clients, our, you know, that we still want to deliver value to all of them. That that hasn't changed in any in any way. That's a very, very good observation that you make there. Um, Marion, you were going to say something. Yeah, no, I just wanted to add to uh, what we were just saying um, to your question that all of the answers I find you know, are, are truly uh, grateful examples of compassionate leadership. You know, they they imply caring for one another and they imply being there for one another and uh, and you know showing some human kind and and, and kindness and uh, and vulnerability and that's what it comes down to when when we talk about compassionate leadership one thing that i will say is that i think that we need to make sure and probably do a better job at ensuring that our leaders understand the what's at stake if this kind of leadership is not implemented i mean right? So many transformation projects are failing. Mm. So many things are just not happening. So many companies that used to be leaders in the marketplace are no longer around. So what was good for us 50 years ago, 20 years ago, isn't good for us today. Yet perhaps some of the management techniques that are being taught in school are um, old fashioned 50 year ago management techniques. The differentiation right? is stark, Maria. The differentiation is stark. The the players that are, and I call it 10X, right? Those leaders and organizations that are investing in their people and demonstrating that the purpose of the company and the purpose of the individual should be connected are, are making huge leaps and strides beyond others. So sorry for those companies. I've just spoiled it for you. I've told everyone your secret, right? But this is the difference. Um, and and if, if we believe in that, then in fact, what we find is we get a huge impact not only in the engagement of our teams, the engagement and satisfaction of our customers, but also, hey, actually it turns out the results as well. Mm -hmm. Lisbeth, you were gonna say something. Yeah, you, Steph, you just make me think of, uh, as we do performance evaluations, and this is our time of year where we do that, we talk yes. about the and the how. Um, so 50% of your performance is based on, did, you, did we achieve our goals? And the other part is, the how, and it is related to what we call our mission and values, uh, but also are you helping others to achieve goals? So not just you, but are you doing it in a collaborative fashion? Are you bringing others along the road with you? Uh, which to me, uh, yeah, sums up what Steph was saying. I was getting all passionate about it. <laughs> but I, but I love that. Uh, I love that, uh, Lisbeth and, and, and Steph, because if I specifically now also look back at supply chain and, and some of the challenges or changes that supply chain is going through in terms of, you know, coming from a very linear setup, you know, just executing somewhat of an island, um, now more and more being, you know, a, a network approach where it's like the core of an organization, um, kind of like a spider web 
across the, the, the org uh, structure um, and where it's so much about collaboration, you need simply a different type of leadership and, and way of doing things. Um, and it's all about, you know, driving collaboration through interacting with people. And I think that's, that's a skill that in supply chain, we still need to, you know, we still need to bring in much, much more. And what are the challenges of not doing it? The, the challenges of that. Falling behind. Like quickly, Definitely yeah. falling behind. You falling behind. Um, this is a, a crazy sideline, but uh, we had this game once called Save That Sale, and it was designed around helping people understand how you do omni-channel. Uh, and the idea is that people start to compete if you're in a different channel of the supply chain you're sort of really siloed and competing, uh, but that's not how omni-channel works most effectively. It works better if you collaborate. And so literally you get more points if you share your stock with another channel than if you use it yourself to fulfill a customer, which is not really how it works in real life, right? Um, but the game is designed to teach you through the dynamics. Collaboration is better for everyone. Uh, we get better share of wallet, share of basket. We, uh, you know, we all achieve our goals together. Uh, and this idea that it should be worth more points, right? I mean, Elizabeth, on your performance review, it should be worth more points if you help people than if you're only sticking out for yourself. I guess that's what I was trying to say is that it's not just the challenges of, of or I, what are the dangers of not operating in this model? What are the dangers of not operating with a collaborative leadership, a collaborative team with the kind of leadership that we describe? Well, you won't achieve your main target, which is your customer will not be happy or as happy as the customer can be, right? Because you're fighting in, or you're, you're sub-optimalizing every silo in the company that you have versus mm. all working together towards that one goal. And I think that's also where you, if, if you allow to create um, teams to talk to each other and to see and agree that there's one outcome that we all want to achieve, that's where you get, you get the result. So. It's finding that one vision that everybody wants to wants to get to. Collaboration and also, sorry, you know, collaboration takes longer. So when you compete, you get better results in the short term, and that's why people think that that's mm. right. It takes leadership yeah. to change the the trajectory and say we've got a longer term view. Collaboration produces more over time. Go ahead, Mary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fully, fully agree. And, no, and I, I would like to add to what Lisbeth was just saying. I mean, nowadays it's all about consumer centricity and consumer centric organizations. Um, and I think way too often it's looked at from a commercial side of, uh, of the house uh, rather than from the operational side. And I think if you want to be a consumer centric organization, you need to have a consumer centric supply chain in place. Um, and again, that is something that only happens if you, you know, if you collaborate and if you interact across the all consumer. the different functions yeah the consumer no longer cares what channel we get it from yeah. right no. if i'm yeah. going to do my uh lisbeth my starbucks quad americano <laughs> uh, grande and i'm sitting in line i will hop on my phone and order from phone i will order ahead i will walk in i will right there i don't care which channel i get it from i just want it exactly yeah I want to thank you all for being here and having this conversation. I think, as I said to you before we started recording, I could probably talk about this for a long time. <laughs> uh, th th I think the challenge I 
I find, and I, you know, I'm sure you do too, is how do we get leaders to stop seeing leadership as a fluffy sort of, you know, nice, nice to have as opposed to an essential uh, to have in order to transform their businesses truly. That's, that's I think, our challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I want to thank you all for, for being here. Lisbeth, uh, Steph, and Marion, um, hopefully we'll have you here again and we'll have more conversations about this. I want to thank you all for tuning in. It's Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you.